Amen. Amen. That is Victoria Cobb, the Family Foundation, which we gave part of our Christmas offering to this year, as well as uh, now we have in the budget, and so thankful for that uh, ministry. And if your schedule is free and you can go with us to the Walk for Life this year, the Virginia version of that, uh, there's a national one also, but this is the Virginia version. We'll be leaving it that day at 7 a.m. on February 1st, getting back around uh, dinner time. We're not giving you dinner. We're going to stop for uh, breakfast on the way because I have to eat and uh, stop for lunch on the way back. But uh, we'll get there. by That'll put us there about 10 a.m. and plenty of time to get to the Capitol grounds for the march. And if you can go, we want you to sign up at the Mission Opportunity Desk over here and also check out the banner we'll have for that day. And this is Sanctity to Human Life Month, and just so thankful for all the different ways that the tabernacle participates in honoring the value, the sanctity of human life from cradle to natural death. A couple of those happened this past week. Some of you were involved in Care Portal, meeting a need uh, for a new foster family in the area. And so you gave supplies, and we put some other things with it, and uh, your uh, regular giving did that. Uh, so praise the Lord. And also... Um, and the special gifts that those of you that were involved gave also. Thank you so much for that. And also this past week, we were privileged to host the Mount Jubilee His Path Day program. And uh, Lizzie's the program director for the uh, one in Reedsville. And she brought the uh, kids up, the young adults up, and they were with us. And Alan Payne spoke to them in just a special time. Well, the, you may detect a hint of sadness in my voice. And many of you share those uh, tears and, and sadness this morning. The song the choir just sang was among Lamar Mooneyham's favorites, uh, and uh, so thankful every time I hear that song, I think of him. And so thanks to the choir for adjusting today to sing that song for you this morning and for Lamar. And for those that don't know, Lamar went to his heavenly reward this past Thursday. His funeral service will be here tomorrow at 11, and we anticipate a lot of people. We will have the overflow ready in the fellowship hall. And uh, pray for Larry Lamberth, Pastor Larry, good friend of Lamar and Isaac Mooneyham as they speak, and Robert Light, Wright as he leads music and all the details that we'll be doing to, uh, behind the scenes there. I know that people from the Southern Baptist Conservatives of Virginia are coming, people from Liberty, people from uh, former churches, people, uh, Paul Pano from the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. And so um, I'll take every bit of your help tomorrow as we are host to all those who come and uh, put out a good tabernacle welcome even as we grieve together. Well, as you maybe saw in your bulletin, I was going to speak today about the state of the tabernacle. You know, every year I try to do that along with uh, the president gives a state of the union address and I was going to give a state of the tabernacle address and there is a lot to be excited about. This past week I went to make a seven minute video as part of the service today for missions and it turned into a 20 minute video. Because that's all the things you guys have going on. This year we're going from 22 missionaries and mission organizations we support to 33, going from 16% of our budget to missions to 18%, and so many different things happening. And so excited that they are. And, uh, but uh, we just posted that on the uh, YouTube channel and the Facebook page, so please try to watch that this week and be excited about all the ways that your regular giving and faithfulness uh, supports missions. I was also going to talk about the hundred upgrades that we're trying to make before Easter time uh, this year, and we've done about 19 of those already, so it's moving right along. And I was going to encourage you to continue to be faithful in your basic giving. Last year, we gave over a quarter of a million dollars uh, to missions, and this year, as I already said, our missions giving is going to go up from 16 to 18 percent. And thank you. It all starts with your faithfulness. We can do all the things related to a staff and the ministries and the missions and all those things because of your faithful giving. Each quarter, we need to give $270,000 to meet budget. 
In the fourth quarter, October, November, December of last year, you guys gave $7,500 more than that. And so praise the Lord, we just have to keep doing what we're doing and we'll meet our budget needs and continue to thrive and prosper as a church on mission with God. So I was going to talk about all those things and some exciting opportunities coming up. But as of Thursday, the state of the tabernacle became a state of grief. As we grieve Lamar's passing. So it won't be business as usual today. Today we'll remember and honor dear Pastor Lamar. And for those who have joined this tabernacle since Lamar was here, uh, what a man, a friend of missions, a friend of Israel, a friend of the life, sanctity, human life, a friend of single moms, a friend of couples in crisis, a friend of so many in so many different ways. And we want to remember and honor him because it's the right thing to do, but also uh, as uh, the impact it will have together as we continue to have those the same emphases uh, now and into the future. You know, our Jewish friends are on to something. When someone dies, they set Shiva, S-H-I-V-A, Shiva. It goes all the way back to, Shiva means seven. It's the Hebrew number seven. And for seven days uh, after departure, they come together and they just process their grief. You know, oftentimes we don't take the time to remember and think and stop in our day and so grief, the wrong kind of grief, uh, goes different directions in the years to come. And so they just take seven days and say, let's, let's talk about what we've lost. Let's, uh, let's talk about our responsibility to take what was sown into us and sow it into the next generations and those things. And so we're going to take that time today. And, uh, and, and uh, the Bible says, remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow." considering the outcome of their conduct. That's Hebrews 13, 7. And so today we're going to have five testimonies woven into our singing time. And I also want to consider you on this day uh, to make a special gift to the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews so near and dear to Lamar's heart. And I should say join me because Elizabeth and I are doing that today as well. And so, um, you know, we're so grateful to be able to, and, and with having Paul Pano here tomorrow, it's so neat that he's coming. Let me also take a moment to acknowledge others who are grieving before I pray and we go on with the service. Um, Jim and Phyllis Herlock join us every week online from another city, part of our online attendance. And Jim's uh, dad, J.B. Herlock, passed away about the same time Lamar did. And so that's J.J. Vogeltance's uh, granddad. Um, and so we're praying for the Herlock family. We love you and uh, praying for you uh, at such a time as this. Also, the Hollander family, as they grieve the passing of Janet's stepdad, Thomas Lee, Boogie Dalton, who many times sat right over there uh, with Janet and them, a frequent attender, and Joey Bray is going to be doing that service Tuesday about the same time others gather here for Forever Young. And so uh, if you go to that instead of Forever Young, we'll understand that uh, this Tuesday to show your support. Well, the Bible says not only to grieve with those who grieve, but to rejoice with those who rejoice. And I, uh, before I pray, I do want to acknowledge uh, that baby Lala joined uh, the church family last week, the child of Michael and Jamie Gerhardt and the grandchild of Kevin and Patricia Burke. And so welcome, baby Lala. Let's pray. No one would smile more when thinking about children than Lamar Mooneyham, Lord. So it's kind of fitting that 
this week, even as we celebrate and think of his homegoing, we're so thankful that with the trouble he's had the last few years, Lord, that for him now to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There is no more struggle to collect thoughts. He knows fuller than he ever has. We thank you so much for his life among us, Lord God, 30 years leading this church, and then even more as our pastor emeritus God. Thank you for the ways he blessed me personally. Pray as we remember him today, God, and as his funeral service happens tomorrow, that we would put the attention where he would have, and that's the glory of God, goodness of God to his people, and the necessity of us being serious about our faith growing in it sowing into others what's been sown into us remembering missions remembering Israel God thank you for Lamar Mooneyham guide us today Lord may you be the guest of honor in this remembrance time in Christ's name I pray amen I want to start by asking Paul and Robin Williams to come up and share with us morning. Um, it's a privilege to stand here and to share with what with you all what Lamar meant to me. Um, a verse that came to mind was Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Those of you who knew Pastor Mooneyham well knew that he wanted, he, he liked to do his deeds in secret, not always open for everyone to see. Um, my first question when, when Pastor Danny asked me um, to do a quick testimony is the first thought in my mind was, why did Lamar pick me? He approached me to come work here at the church, and at the time, I didn't know why, um, but I'm so glad that he did because not only working in the church office did I get to sit here under his ministry, but I got access to him through the week. So questions that I might have about parenting, about marriage, just about life, he was always willing to sit down and, and talk to me and pour into me through the week. And just like Pastor Danny has challenged our church staff this year to have an attitude of, I don't work at the tabernacle, I get to work at the tabernacle. And it was such a privilege and an honor to work for Pastor Mooneyham and now for Pastor Danny. Some of my favorite memories of Lamar, or my, in my mind, what I, when I think of Pastor Mooneyham, I think um, there was a fun side to Lamar. He liked to joke even in the office and hide my shoes if I walked away without them on. Um, um, so there was, there was always fun. There was a serious side to Lamar. Um, he had a high expectation, and when you didn't meet it, you knew that you didn't meet it, and you knew the disappointment. But he was always there quick to forgive and encourage you to move on. <clears throat> there was a sad side sometimes, and I think a lot of pastors on Mondays are ready to throw the towel in and 
why do I do this? And he would often come in and share with me some of that frustration. And I would try to encourage him and reassure him that yes, your mic was on and we hear. <laughs> let's, let's look at um, the things you are able to accomplish and how God is using you. And he'd get the courage and he would go on and um, pull through and make it for another week. There was a faithful side to Lamar. I, I can assure you that the man we saw here in this pulpit on Sunday was the same man I worked for through the week. And I think that was his greatest testimony for me, was that yes, he was a human and he made mistakes like all of us, but his testimony was true and he was, he was faithful to that. And I think the last thing was such an encouragement. When he said he was praying for you, he meant it. And I can tell you as a church, he spent more time than we all in this room would ever realize praying for us and for this church and this ministry. And I appreciate the sacrifice that he made for me, for my family, for this church. And I thank Debbie and his children for sharing him with us. And I appreciate his faithfulness to God's will and being the example for me and my family. You started this, getting up there with your voice quivering and everything. Now I'm going to start doing it. But not long after I started coming to this church, I made a comment about crying in front of everybody. And Lamar said, Phew. he said, when God's working in your heart, you have no choice. So if I start crying, that's good. Um, we didn't just lose a pastor or a teacher. We lost a friend. Robin drug me through those doors in 95. I think it was the first time I got here. Um, was not at all happy about it. Just done it to pacify her. Uh, did a couple of times until we moved to come back. And in 98, come through there regularly. And from 98 until now, the changes that I've went through, the changes that you have seen through me in allowing me to become a deacon, a teacher. I mean, you people trust me with your kids, me and Alan. Just saying. A lot of that is due because of Lamar's teaching. I had no concept when we got married of what it was to be a husband. I had no concept of what it was to be a father, to be a church member, to be a brother. My growing up, our only, what I knew of church was we went to church when somebody was getting married, buried, or going to jail. That was my understanding. But sitting in these pews where we all sit every week listening to Lamar, I learned what I was supposed to be. Learned who I was supposed to be. Mar always said that where you're not is just as important as where you are. I got to spend time with Lamar outside of these four walls and know him on a personal level. As Robin said, he did have a fun side uh, to the point where 
actually on the backside of Turkey Cock Mountain, and we were hunting, and Lamar looked at me and kind of snickered. He says, I can see now that your view of relaxing is a lot different than mine. <laughs> and uh, I said something else to him, and he's a pastor, a preacher, whatever I was saying. He looked at me and says, if you don't start calling me Lamar, I'm going to crack in here with the butt of this gun. <laughs> so it was Lamar. But you didn't tread on that until you felt you had permission because we held him with such high respect. And Robbie and I was talking about it this morning on the way over to the church. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. Our fear with this church and Lamar's teaching was that we got so focused on his elegance and how he delivered a message. He himself wondered if his mic was on. Were we truly listening? I think I can speak for many other men in this church. We are proof of what he accomplished. He took a, I'll say a kid with the same background as he did, tore up life, thrown around from family to family because nobody really wanted to deal with it. It made something of me through his teaching and helping me understand who God was. Am I great? Am I perfect? By no means. Ask her and both my kids. But I got a better idea where I'm supposed to be. We sit here today, unfortunately, comparing what we had with what we have now. We still have the truth. It may be on a different plate, but Danny has still given us the truth. It's still our responsibility. Lamar said that what he gives us, what the pastor gives us, it's still our responsibility to go back and study on that and see what God has for us as an individual. We're still getting that. We can look around this room and this campus and see Lamar's legacy. His legacy and his desire was this church to grow. The line in that song, one of his favorite songs, is for us to be light in the darkness. We still have that challenge. We still have that opportunity. But like I said, this is not a spectator sport. Each of us have a job. Our hope and prayer is that that legacy of Lamar continues as Danny is still continuing with that. And just simply follow God. Be who He meant you to be and do what He meant you to do. Because it's His glory. It's all for Him. God didn't put us here by accident. God didn't have that song sung by accident. God didn't take Lamar at this time in the sanctity of life that was on His passions. It's not an accident that that's when He chose to take him home. It's all God's perfect will. And that's what Lamar preached every time he stood up here. As we continue on, let me ask Ronnie Motley to come up and share about Pastor Lamar. Good morning, church. Okay. Like I said, we came to the church here in 1994. Uh, so probably about three or four rows from the back back there. 
And uh, <clears throat> when I was asked to speak uh, this morning, uh, Pastor said five minutes. I said, I don't know if I'll make five minutes. But uh, uh, I immediately started to think of or the way I, my mind works is I, I make lists. So I started to list the things that uh, were characteristics of Lamar. Uh, for us, he was welcoming. He shared. He was a teacher and a reader. He was prim and he was proper. In other words, he dressed well and he presented himself well. He was a student. He studied the word day in and day out. Uh, he was a family man. Family was priority for him in his home and in his church. Uh, marriage, his marriage was a priority in his home and in his church. Uh, he loved black people, okay? And he pretty much adopted us as we came in the door. Uh, and like I said, he had a love for all people. But that's important to me as a black man that he loved black people. And many of the messages he preached, he talked about the, a lot of the black ladies that he came in contact and was raised with. Uh, then most important for him was his legacy. What legacy would he leave here uh, for his family, for his children, for other Christians? And one of the most enduring things was he loved grandma, that old lady that uh, took in a kid that she could barely keep up with. But uh, she taught him, uh, got the gospel to him, and uh, she loved him. And I think that's the reason he loved others, because he probably thought he was unlovable. That's the reason he loved Jesus, because he thought he was unlovable. Uh, so he, he uh, except for us, uh, uh, going back to black people. We had been here about three months and he approached me in the hallway and he asked me, he said, how are the people treating you? And I think my response was what gave him uh, relief because I responded, the ones that matter are treating us well. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to end with uh, some words that uh, I think kind of describes him uh, and the way he operated and the way he served Jesus. Two things are to be set in order, the house and the heart. The house, by setting our worldly estates, we shall die none the sooner, but we shall be readier for death. And if you need a Bible reference to that, look at Isaiah 38 and 1. The heart, by setting our spiritual estate, that is making our calling and election sure, repenting of sin, 
receiving Christ Jesus the Lord, walking in all his commandments, blameless. He who have done this is ready for death. And so Lamar, he did that. He was ready for death. And Lord, uh, that's just an example for us all. Uh, many of you that read my, my blog, my verses, let us do all things decently and in order. And that was Lamar. Amen. So I'm glad for the way we're doing this because each uh, ones that share so far, you have so much to think about and giving glory to God and about things to think about for our own life in between. Thank you, Ronnie. That was really something. And the Lord is the famous one and we want to extend his fame throughout the earth. It's one of the reasons why it was such a, an appeal to me to come to such a missions-minded church. You know, John Piper in Let the Nations Be Glad, he joked once that the book was worth it for the first sentence because nobody... Uh, really read after that, but everybody read the first sentence, you know. And in that book, he says, missions is not the main purpose of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because there are places that worship does not. But Revelation guarantees, the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verse 9, guarantees that there will be people from every single people group, ethnicity, language, and tribe on earth praising the name of Jesus for his blood that brings redemption to all who will receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And, you know, I, I hope you're getting it this morning, especially if you're out there and you're new to the tabernacle. This is maybe your first time you're visiting. We're so glad that you're here. And we've got a gift for you when you leave through the foyer there. But, man, if you uh, have reached the end of your rope, then uh, got, you're right where God wants you to be. Because Jesus takes people in your very situation. For 2,000 years, he's been saving their soul, forgiving their sin, giving them a new purpose in life. And you're hearing that already in these testimonies today. And then a life, you can build your life around Jesus and he rebuilds your life around faith in him and his word. And so good to hear these testimonies. How about Heather Rouse? Where's Heather? There she is. Before the year is out, order some cookies from Heather Rouse. You'll be glad you did. morning um, can I just say what a praise to be in the presence of Jesus um, and bear with me this morning because I don't do um, well with things like this uh, Thomas Collins gave me a really good pep talk this morning and you are wrong I can still see you the lights aren't blinding me enough <laughs> um, but when I was approached to speak on his behalf, I knew that he would have done the same for any of us. Um, so I'm honored to stand here and share my testimony and core memories of Lamar on a more childlike level. And please, please bear with me. Um, I walked through these doors at the age of six overwhelmed um, in the midst of witnessing my parents go through a divorce Linda Newman uh, many of you know and invited my mama and introduced us to Lamar and Debbie and I will never forget the tender just how tender and kind they were and sensitive to our situation 
he knelt down on my level and the first words that he said was, hey you, and the rest was history. Um, he never stopped loving me like Jesus from that moment on. Um, but Thursday night, I received back-to-back -back text messages from Corey and Miss Burdett that he was forever healed in glory, and he was home. Um, since then, I have wept, and I'm still weeping um, because he was, he was one of those people that I never imagined life without. I think we all have those people in our life that we just assume they'll always be there. Um, I, I craved his guidance and his knowledge and his wisdom throughout each season of my life. His passion for Christ and others made me want to be more like Jesus every day. Um, and those of us who have been here long enough know and remember the love and the life that he shared with his mama. Ronnie mentioned his mama. <laughs> the one who raised him. And he, sh he, he wasn't shy to share his journey about his family and all the siblings that he met along the way. He loved his bride and his Mustangs. And there was never a dull moment with his children. And he bragged about every grandchild, all 10 of them. He sat on this step with a tiny old manger in his hand and a lump in his throat every Christmas, pouring his heart out for the true meaning and love of the manger. And some of y'all might remember this, but y'all will remember that remote he held in his hand. And he paced and paced and paced um, back and forth, and he would change his screen overhead. And I will never forget him chunking it into the choir loft just to prove a point on materialism. And then he would tell Bubba in the audience to cut his hearing aid down or stomp his feet and smack his hands to make sure none of us were snoozing. But then he would admit to all of us that he would sneak around to see all the kids in Sunday school and get the real secrets on all us parents, <laughs> but knew that they were the most important seeds to water for the future of this church. He stood at this altar with me the day that I was saved. And even though it wasn't a message from him, he said, okay now, are you ready for this? It's the real deal and there's no turning back. He was the first one to call when I had my four-wheeler accident. And Craig Gilreath was the first one at my door in the hospital. He dared me to get back on one. But he held me in that moment realizing that I could have lost my life. And I always peeped over my head to check, and check on my gray hair, make sure it was still there matching his. I loved that he would pick apart one word in scripture, just one, 
that would justify and would justify every aspect of it. While he strived for perfection, details in the true meaning of a service of communion. I could go on and on. I could stand up here all day and when 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 you told me five minutes I thought, hmm this is this one's gonna be hard. But in the last ten years of my life, my family has grown and he's poured into my marriage. I will never forget him peeking his head around the corner to visit my babies, fresh out of heaven, just to let them know that they were fearfully and wonderfully made. But my faith family has grown as well. And giving all the God, giving God all the glory, Lamar bonded me to all of you. And some of my most precious friendships. This was my safe haven. He gave me a safe haven. We always talk about it's just a building, and it is, but it's safe. It's a safe space. And then these last few years as well, whenever Valentine's Day would roll around or I would just miss him and Debbie, I would deliver oatmeal cream cookies just to have a, a good excuse to see them. On the last batch that I dropped off this past year, I told him he had gotten too skinny and he didn't like that. Um, he just rolled his eyes and, I hear you. Debbie peeked over at me and just smirked. <laughs> um, but he still laughed through his squinting eyes at me because he knew it was the truth. Um, but later that night she shared with me that she was able to get one of them, but in true Lamar fashion he had hidden the rest. <laughs> I'm going to wrap it up. I'm sorry. We all know he was committed to this church. And as much as we miss him, I know he wouldn't come back if he could. I have no doubt in my mind that one day I will get to eat oatmeal cream cookies in heaven with him. <laughs> because he never gave up on sharing Jesus with me or any of us. It was his goal in life to reach the ends of the earth. And it wouldn't surprise me one bit if his mama and Craig and Corey's mom, Becky, and Alan's mama, Deborah, Ben and Joan Sutton, and everyone else that he ministered to and served to and led to Christ met him at welcomed him at those gates with Jesus, saying, there's no place like this place. This is the place. Thank you, Heather. Bonnie Gilreath. I'm Bonnie Gilreath, and I've been a member of the Tabernacle for almost 36 years. Craig and I came to Danville in 1987 
with our two small children, we immediately began looking for a church. We found the tabernacle within three weeks and never left. We visited and we found a church under the leadership of a young Lamar Mooneyham. We were quickly drawn to his Bible teaching and his emphasis on families and children's ministries. He taught God's word without compromise. He inspired us to put God first in our lives and to live in such a way that would draw others to Jesus. He and Craig became very close friends as they worked together in the deacon ministry. Craig admired him, he loved him, he respected him. He loved him and his family for his faith, his strength, and his integrity. They were very much alike, and I'm sure they're together today. Lamar taught us many things through the years here, but none of them any more important than this, especially when you've lost someone very dear. And I can see him doing it now. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Our last testimony is going to be Richard Chivas. Thank you for that song, Eddie. Again, like everyone else, good morning. Uh, I'm, I'm number five of the five. But uh, I asked Danny when I uh, saw him this morning, I said, where do you have me in here? You're not going to have me first, do you? And uh, he said, no. He said, but I didn't should have asked, do you have me last? Because I've listened to all these others, and it's tough. Uh, but uh, the pastor asked me if I would say a few words about Pastor Lamar's love and concern for the Jewish people. God's chosen ones, uh, but I got to give you a little background first. Lamar and I had a fairly special relationship over the years. We started here at 90, 93, I think is when we started coming regularly, but um, I got to serve in a multiple areas throughout, but the one that uh, probably meant, has meant the most to me over the years was, <laughs> I may tear, and I don't like doing it in front of a bunch of people, but uh, I asked him, go to another thing real quick. I asked Lamar one day, we were in here talking, and uh, I said, Lamar, how come I, I seem to tear more often? As I, he said, you're getting older and you're walking closer to the Lord, so that uh, we'll go with that. Uh, but uh, he said, we used, my, my favorite one as I was getting back to is the fact that Sandy and I cleaned the church for years. We'd finish our other job, and then uh, on Monday afternoons and Saturday, Friday afternoons, we'd come and we'd clean the church. And I was privileged uh, to be able to sit in here, in a hallway somewhere, one of the classrooms. It didn't fail sometime that week in one of those two times. He and I would just sit and talk and uh, share. Uh, kids were the same age. Uh, you were close to the same age. And uh, we just got a chance to really bond on a lot of different things. Uh, and one of those was talking about the Jewish people, and that's why I want to have, give you a little background. But I have to tell you one thing, that, that, that uh, the that kind of relationship that we had is um, 
I like to hunt. My kids all like to hunt. Lamar liked to hunt. Uh, had come out to the house and, and hunted a couple times, but uh, he's never had never shot a deer. And one deacon's dinner on a, on a uh, just before Christmas, uh, Sandy and I had a package delivered uh, with no name on it because I didn't want to get in too much trouble. Uh, and it, when he opened it, it was a deer head, but it wasn't a real one. It was one that when you open, it started singing to you. And, and that's just the relationship we had. We could pick at each other and tease and stuff like that. And I, I think he paid Ms. Hunley to keep trying to find out who did it. But uh, anyway, we just, that, that's the way it was. And he was a dear friend. But uh, past that and beyond that, and more importantly, is what we learned, what we learned from him. And first, I want to read from Genesis chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land where I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Pardon me for one minute. Uh, and I'm I read that because if we look back on Lamar's really desire to do things for the Jewish people and his concern for them, uh, these these verses uh, really make a difference in what he what it and, and can see where his some of his thought came from. Uh, six blessings to Abraham and one to particularly particularly to others. The sixth one and. Uh, and in you, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Uh, Matthew Henry, in his reference book, says it this way, Jesus Christ is the great blessing of the world, the greatest that ever the world was blessed with. And I think Lamar took that really to heart. And, and truly, this is just from conversations and what I really, and I have to say I believe, because it's not exact his words, but I believe Lamar looked at the fifth blessing I will bless those who bless you. And thinking of the world's greatest blessing, Jesus Christ, wondered, how can our church show our love for Christ and the Jewish people and put that love into action? And, you know, if you take this verse, and, and Lamar did, and he, he, Scripture was it. This is God's word, and he believed it. But I believe that was his heart behind it. And we've had the opportunity here to hear Rabbi Eckstein, uh, his daughter, uh, the heads of the Fellowship of Christians and Jews, and... Uh, we had Jimmy DeYoung on several occasions who taught us about Israel, taught us about Jewish history and, and, and prophetic history, prophet, uh, prophecy. Uh, and more recently, we had his son uh, come and, and talk to us, all in educating us about how we can and should treat the Jewish people and our concern for them and Israel. And that's what was in one of the big things in Lamar's heart. And the church put it into action, bringing hundreds of Jewish people back to Israel we have those lists of all the people that were on those planes. The church paid for bomb shelters to be put in critical areas near schools and have funded, and we have funded food distribution in Israel. And all this was started by Lamar's being led by the Lord to bless the people of Israel. And this continues today under Pastor Danny. Um, and I have to say that when we first came here, uh, Sandy and I, yeah, we knew a lot about scripture. We had studied a lot. We had had some good education, but never really been taught our responsibilities for the Jewish people as our, a part of it. And I like to think that some of those hundreds of people returning to Israel 
when met at the airport are asked, how were you able to get here? And they would answer, a church in Danville paid for my way, or possibly a mom after a rocket attack hugging her child who was safe in a bomb shelter, saying, who had been safe in a bomb shelter, saying, I'm so thankful for those Christians at the tabernacle in the United States for helping protect my child. And I certainly don't know for sure on either of these situations, but I believe it is possible. Uh, and all this started by the Lord leading Pastor Lamar to put into action what he believed. And if nothing else, that's a tremendous lesson for all of us, to put into action what we believe. I mean, if we believe God's word, then we need to be acting on it in every possible way. Uh, I could go on with some other stories and different things, but uh, the, uh, the really what I want to finish with in the statement from Matthew Henry's commentary, and I believe Pastor Mark took this statement, or uh, one like it, to heart as well. And I'm going to quote uh, Matthew Henry. All God's precepts are attended with promises to be obedient. If we obey the command, and it's, I'll, put it, I'll put it in not so much the old words, but this is kind of a, a, a newer translation. If we obey the commands, God will not fail to perform the promises. And I believe each and every one of us can see that in our lives, but we certainly can see it in the life of this church as he has uh, performed the promises as we've been obedient to the Lord. The church is, has been and is still being blessed, and I believe a big part comes from being shown ways to bless God's chosen people uh, and to act on these ways. And as Amar has always taught and Pastor Danny continues to teach us, we've got to put our faith into action. We can't just talk about it. It's a deal for put into action, and I think that would bless, that would, that would, if Lamar could look down, that's what he would like to see, is putting our faith into action, whether it's with the Jews or whether what else it is, but putting our faith into action in this world around us. And I'm going to close now, but I appreciate this few minutes to do that and share that with, it, with, that, with you. And uh, just, we will continue, I'm sure, supporting the Fellowship of Christian and Jews, and uh, thank you for this time. Can we just take a moment, give a round of applause to all those who shared? Wow, they did such a good job. And I know many of you could have come and shared something as well. And I do encourage you to put your thoughts together. Uh, and sometime here in the next week or two, put your ideas on a card or a letter. And uh, make sure you get that uh, to the Mooneyham family. Um, there will be a place in the back, to, if you're here tomorrow for the funeral, to leave a card. And uh, in just a moment, Anna is going to play, Be Thou My Vision. Now, here's how the Lord works. That song's going to be in Lamar's funeral tomorrow. But Eddie didn't know that when he was picking out the music. Um, we're, you know, apart from changing the choir hymn at the beginning, everything else was set to happen, right? So the last song before I preached would have been uh, be thou my vision, her playing as an offertory that time slot, you know. And, uh, but the Lord wanted it to happen today, and we've turned it into our invitation song. And what I'm going to do is uh, when we get to that point, and she plays, if you want to come up to the altar here and give thanks for Lamar Mooneyham's impact in your life, you can do that. As well as uh, uh, just... Hey, listen, we covered a lot of ground today. God's love for people, God's forgiveness, all those different things. You may want to come to the altar. Altar is kind of Old Testament language. They would offer a sacrifice. The sacrifice would die that day, and the blood would cover over 
the sin of those who had come confessing their sin. And so there may be something, a problem you've got, a sin in your life, some way that since Lamar taught you, you veered and you just want to kill that today. You want to leave it here and be assured of Christ's forgiveness and then go back. So it might be to pray for the family. It might be uh, to, um, to, uh, to have that happen. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord or watching online, what you feel inside right now is the Holy Spirit um, inviting you to turn from self-trust and turn to Christ for your salvation, forgiveness of sins, eternal life, and to begin a relationship with him that will last forever like it did for Lamar and those ones that shared today. And will you bow your heads just momentarily here? The Holy Spirit does draw people unto salvation in moments just like this. And so if you would like to trust Christ today and turn to him, say a prayer something like this right where you are directly to God. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I've always put myself first and I'm tired of my own selfishness and my sin. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, I believe in you, Jesus. I believe that you died for my sins on the cross. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe that means you've conquered Satan, sin, death, and hell for all who believe. I believe, Lord. I turn from my self-rulership now and I turn to you. Save me, Lord. Forgive my sins. Come into my heart and life. I pledge to follow you as the Lord of my life from this day forward. Show me what that looks like in these days ahead. In your name I pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand. So we're going to stand during this time. She's going to play. The words will be up here. You might want to sing along even though we're not uh, set it as a time to be led. But if you want to come and pray right now, if you want to pray with me, you can come. If you want to testify to faith in Jesus on this special day, you come too as we sing.